Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you. I used to uh, preach at a church where I would say good evening, and it was silence, so thank you for welcoming me. Uh, let me, it'd be good if you keep your Bibles open to, especially Isaiah, um, I will be referencing Ephesians as well, but Isaiah will be we'll probably focusing more, that's chapter 52, uh, but let me just continue us with one more prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the opportunity that we have to be together here as your people under your roof. We thank you especially for your word and the wisdom that it brings into our lives uh, and the comfort that it brings into our hearts. We pray especially now uh, as we uh, dwell on it that you will be with us, that you will open our hearts and our minds to consider your will, your glory and your love for us and that you will guide what is spoken, uh, that it is done for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I want to start off by getting you to think about Uh, Have you ever had a moment in your life where you just haven't wanted to get out of bed? Uh, (laughs) You took my joke. I was going to make that joke. (laughs) That's all right. Maybe you've woken up and you know you're going to have to deal with your kids today and they've been rough all week and you just don't want to have to face them. Maybe maybe you've got to go to work and you have a coworker that frustrates you or you've got a boss uh, that's going to give you trouble. Uh, Maybe it's a bit worse. Maybe you uh, are struggling, and to wake up just seems hard. Uh, We all have uh, reasons why we don't want to wake up in the morning. Maybe just simply because it's 5.30 in the morning, and you probably don't want to ever get up at 5.30 in the morning. There's always reasons why we don't. Uh, And the sad part, where I'm going with this, is the sad part is that when it comes to our spiritual life, there's times where we don't want to wake up. There's times where our spirits want to stay asleep. Uh, Maybe we we don't want to do what God wants us to do today. Maybe we know the right course of action and we really would rather not. Maybe we have an opportunity to to share the gospel with someone and we're too afraid. Uh, I used to feel that quite a lot. Uh, I used to teach high school scripture uh, and every every Wednesday morning my alarm would go off and I'd be like, I don't want to, I don't want to go. I don't want to tell these kids about Jesus. They're just going to throw chairs at me. I'm not even joking. They're going to throw chairs at me, swear at me, and it's hard. And your spirit, you almost feel like you just want to stay asleep and that it's easier to live life if your faith, if if who you are as a Christian just sort of stays under the surface. My goal tonight is not to rebuke you for that, but to encourage you and to see how God can help us break from that sleep, awake from that sleep, and glorify him in our lives. Our first reading today was from the uh, book of Isaiah. Uh, And if you don't know much about the book of Isaiah, it's a long book. It's a difficult book, because for a while, it's quite a a depressing book. It's a book that covers the destruction that's going to come upon God's people for the sins that they've committed, a warranted, deserved justice. And then you get to chapter 40, and it becomes this, this wonderful book, of the mercy, of the grace that God is going to show his people once that destruction has come. Uh, Here in chapter 52, in in the context that this promise is made, God's people have watched their holy city be destroyed. They've been taken from the land that they lived in, the place that they loved, the place that God had given them, and they have been taken into exile. Uh, In the ancient world, when you conquered a land, you didn't sort of just stay there with your guards. If they were troublesome, if they were difficult to deal with, you would take people out of the land and send them somewhere else. It'd be like New Zealand coming and conquering Australia and taking us all over to New Zealand. Some of you might like that, but in the ancient world, it wasn't a nice thing. You'd lose your identity. 
you lose who you are. You become lost, and you're not sure who you are as a person. And this was particularly hard for the people of Israel. They had known themselves as God's people, as God's chosen people, and now they found themselves lost. And so in Isaiah 52, God gives them this instruction. I forgot to introduce the first part of this. The first encouragement that we can find from all of this is that we are doing God's mission. We are serving God under his victory in Christ. In our reading from Isaiah, he says, Awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourselves with strength. Put on your garments of splendor. Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust, rise up, sit enthroned, Jerusalem. Free yourselves from the chains on your neck, daughter Zion, now a captive. For this is what the Lord says, you were sold for nothing, and without money you will be redeemed. This is part of a a continual promise that God is making to his people, and he tells his people in this moment, and in a few verses earlier as well, he says, wake up, awake, awake. The people of God were in exile, and they were asleep. They had began to act as though God was no longer with them, that God no longer cared. They had, they would, it was like God was asleep to them, so they no longer acted in the way that God wanted them to act. They no longer lived with the identity found in God. They rejected, and they tried to live like the people around them. And God is coming to them, and rather than saying, you evil people, why are you still acting like this? He's saying, wake up, I am here. Live like I have told you. And he does this by promising them that the victory has been achieved. They will take off their shackles. They will remove the chains. They will be, as the word is at the end of the verse, redeemed. He says, live not as conquered people, but as victors. He says to dress themselves, to clothe themselves, to get out of bed, put on their best suit, to walk out, and live as someone who is victorious. The difficult part for this is that this redemption didn't come for a while. Uh, And I was considering how do I look at this verse as a a 21st century Christian. Uh, And I was drawn to this verse in Luke. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. I love this little verse because it, it, it continues this theme in Isaiah. In fact, he's actually quoting from Isaiah 48 and 62, or 161. And he's continuing this theme that he has now come, that Jesus has now come to free the captives, to free the prisoners, to free those who are oppressed. He doesn't free us by bringing in a new nation. He doesn't free us by conquering the world. He frees us by taking away our sin on the cross. The chains of our sin have been removed. Uh, in, in the Gospels, Jesus is referred to as the Redeemer, just like we said in Isaiah, that their sins will be redeemed. And to redeem is to purchase a slave's freedom. For Jesus to redeem us is to purchase our freedom. And he does that by giving up his blood on the cross. 
And the point that I'm going and what I'm trying to make with this is that as we walk this earth, as we consider what we should do, it is so important for us that we remember that Jesus is already victorious, that we are already redeemed. We are not working for something. We are not aiming to fulfill a task to receive a reward. We receive that reward and then we work. Uh, I had the opportunity to preach at a small country church last year, uh, and it was a difficult uh, day for me uh, because I had to be with all these Christians who were in a very bad mood uh, because a certain vote, which we won't go into, but a certain vote was cast, uh, and Australia had voted yes. And they had a church meeting, and they invited me to come afterwards, and I sat here, and I watched these people of God sit around and they were horrified, they were mortified, they talked about all the evil that is going to come and the disaster that will fall the church. And had I had the wisdom I have now then, I would have got up and said, guys, it doesn't matter, Jesus is victorious. He has won. We are redeemed. That is what matters most of all for us. That is what is our primary concern, the redemption that we have received. Uh, no one knew this more than the Apostle Paul. Uh, I can't think of a modern-day anti-Christian villain that can really encompass all that he was. Uh, he was the evil guy. He used the law to imprison and hurt Christians, and he even manipulated it so that he could be responsible for their deaths. And yet, as you've read in this passage, that Paul no longer works in Ephesians, no longer works against God, but through his grace, works for him works to reveal his mystery to the Gentiles. And he says in Ephesians 3, 7 to 9, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this is the grace that was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of the mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Paul understood Christ's victory more than anyone else, I think, when he was writing to the churches, because he had gone from the worst of the worst to righteous, to redeemed. And if you know anything about the life of Paul, he didn't live a comfortable life, he didn't live a successful life, he spent a lot of it in jail, he spent a lot of it running away to avoid death. Uh, he didn't spend a lot of time living comfortably, but he lived for God. Even in this passage, as you read at the beginning of chapter 3, he was in prison, or at least he was suffering in some sort of way for the Gentiles. In Christ, he has changed. In Christ, in his redemption, he now preaches to the Gentiles. So God's mission, first of all, if we want to be encouraged to do God's mission, we want to encourage to have our spirits be awake, we need to remember that Christ is victorious. That's really important. Secondly, we need to remember that God's mission is to see his name proclaimed. And if you look at the next part of Isaiah, it talks a little bit about how God's people turned away and the Assyrians came and conquered. And God's name is, is mocked and God's name is made a mockery. And then he says this in Isaiah 52 verse 6, he says, Therefore my people will know my name, Therefore, in that day, they will know it, it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. God promises his people that you will know my name. 
But how will we know God's name? When we can read it in our Exodus, although we just call it the Lord, but what is God talking about here? And I think those of you here this morning uh, would have heard Stuart's talk, uh, and it was great. And it's really, he talked about the idea of, of God living for his own glory, for the greatness of his name. That God exists to glorify himself. That God exists so that his name will be known. And I want to say to you that that's actually really good news for us because I found a few verses in the Bible and I see if you can pick up a theme on all of these verses. For my own name's sake, I delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you so as not to destroy you completely. Ezekiel, you will know that I am the Lord when I deal with you for my name's sake and not according to the evil ways and your corrupt practices, you, you people of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. Psalm 25, verse 11, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. There's this reoccurring theme throughout the Bible that when the Lord declares the greatness of his name, it's accompanied by the mercy that he is showing to his people who deserve it. That the greatness of God, that the glory of God is found in his merciful nature. Uh, When you read uh, Exodus chapter 30-something, and the people of God, it's in there, it's in there. Uh, And the people of God sin, they create the calves. And Moses comes to God and God says, I am going to wipe out my people off the face of the earth. Moses doesn't go, oh God, please, you know, It'd be great if you didn't. Moses appeals to God's name, God's nature. He says, you brought us out. You have done this. The people will look at you. He appeals to the name of God for mercy. Even when Jesus is going to the cross and he prays to the Lord, he doesn't pray, God, I really love them, so I'm going to do that. He prays, not my will, but your will be done. This idea that God's mercy is expressed is an expression of his glory. And that it's his ultimate glory is found in that moment on the cross when Jesus died. Ephesians 3, 10, 11 tells us, he was, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his purposes that he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, the book of Ephesians is all about God's plan for the universe and how he has accomplished it. And he says it here in this moment, that God has accomplished his plan through Jesus Christ, that his intent from the beginning was that the church would declare his wisdom, the wisdom of Christ. From that act of mercy comes this outpouring of glory that is God's people declaring to God how great he is. And what's amazing, and what I find so fascinating about this and about the book of Ephesians and what we looked at if you were paying attention uh, at Colossians, is that this outpouring isn't just about a physical world that's going to acknowledge God, but it's this outpouring of wisdom to the spiritual world that now looks and sees God's people glorifying him and knows his wisdom. It's, it's It's an unusual thing that this spiritual world, the angels look at us, see us glorifying God and know the wisdom of God. And what I love is uh, in Isaiah 57, uh, 52 verses 7 to 10, is we get this description of what that glorifying really looks like. How beautiful are the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. The watchmen lift their voice, they shout for joy. They burst into songs of joy together. 
The Lord has comforted his people and redeemed Jerusalem. There's this idea in Isaiah that this redemption brings about a celebration. This redemption brings about an outpouring of joy, declaring to the Lord that you are great, that you are merciful, that you are loving, and that you are deserving of all glory. God's mission for his church is to just declare his glory in response to his grace. I uh, have loved video games since I was a kid. Um, If you ask me what I do in my spare time, I'll always say, I'll spend time with Naomi. Uh, But if Naomi's not around, I will say I play video games. Um, As in if she's out to work, not as in, which is, it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, yeah. I've loved it since I was a kid. I, used, I remember I went on a holiday and I once sat next to these two guys who every day we were at a, like a, an old caravan site and the caravan had a small arcade machine in it and I would sit by the arcade machine and watch people play it. That's how much I loved video games. Uh, my parents never gave me any money to play it. I don't know why. And my brother got a computer and I would sit by my brother and watch him play video games. And then every now and then he would go out and I'd be like, can I play your computer? And he'd let me play his computer. And then one day uh, I got given some money for my grandmother and I decided that it was time for me to buy my own computer. Um, I was about 16 or 17. And I, I went with my brother, we ordered it online, we ordered all the parts, we used to build our own computers back in the day. Um, and I waited for it to come. And then I woke up one morning, and the box had come in my sleep. I probably had come at like six in the morning. And it was sitting there on my couch. My parents' couch, not mine. And I was so excited. And I went to school that day, and all I could talk about at school was how I'm going home to unpack and put together my computer, and nothing else in the world mattered. I'm going to sit there, I'm going to play games all night. And this was back in the day when video games were still pretty uncool. Uh, And so the response that I received from most people was, please, can you move away from me a little bit? They didn't want to talk to me, and I didn't care. All I wanted to do was tell everyone how excited I was for the thing that I was going to receive when I got home. And in some ways, I tell this story with a lot of shame in my heart because I wonder how often have I responded to the grace of God with that same intensity, with that same desire to just share it with people no matter how much they tell me to shut up. What we see in this this picture of Isaiah and Ephesians is not, not not a controlled, diplomatic people. It is a people who are just so full of joy that they burst forth, that they sing songs, that people know something has happened. God is telling the people in Isaiah to do this, and he hasn't even brought them into Jerusalem yet. They are still in exile, and yet God says, clothe yourselves, present yourselves, dance for joy. In Ephesians, Paul comes and says, you are redeemed. You have received the promised redemption. Declare that to the spiritual world. So God's mission is to see his name proclaimed in a response to his grace. Thirdly, God's mission is to have God with us. I've got to hear a picture of a dark alley. I want you to imagine that you had to walk down that alley by yourself because your car is parked on the other side of the road. Uh, Who here would feel comfortable walking down that alley? Anyone? What if you had, like, four friends with you? Would you feel more comfortable walking down that road, that alley? Hands up. Anyway, hands up. Who would go down with four friends? All right. What if you had one really tough-looking police officer? Who would feel comfortable walking down with one really tough-looking police officer? When we're on our own, things are scary. Things are terrifying. Uh, 
I generally get scared of doing anything on my own, really. But we get afraid. And especially when it comes to sharing the gospel, when we look, think of ourselves as being alone, it is a scary prospect to go out into a world that we are the only one and to share that gospel. Isaiah 52, he leaves them with this encouragement. He says, depart, depart. Notice that it's similar to the awake, awake. Awake and then depart. Come out from there, touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure, you who carry the articles of the Lord's house. But leave, do, you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. The uh, two most important positions in, in old school military are the rear guard and the front guard. The people who go on the front, the people who go on the back. The people who go on the front are, the, are important because they're going to be generally facing the brunt of any conflict that approaches your, your squad or your group. And the people at the rear are important because their job is to make sure that everyone can retreat if they need to, or also secure the back to make sure they don't get ambushed from behind. Two of the most important positions are in, in, a, in a sort of conflict situation. And the Lord tells us that as we go out into this world, as God's people walk into Jerusalem, as we walk to declare God to the world, that he is in front and he is behind us, that he is our God. We don't walk out here on our own. We don't walk out here by ourselves. We go out there with our God with us, with our God encouraging us. Ephesians 3 sort of hints at this as well. It says, In him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which is your glory. We don't just have a God who is our rear and our front guard, but we have a God that we can approach. We have a God that we can talk to. We have a God that when we want to wake up in the morning and we can't seem to do it, we can go, God, please help me. God, please be my rear and my front guard. Please lift me up. Please wake me up. So on those days when we don't feel like waking up, on those days when our spirits are dull and our hearts are soft, sorry, hard, soft is good, hard, we should be, I would encourage us to consider asking God for that help. Asking God for that energy. And it's not, it's not a natural thing. Even as God's people, even if we know we're redeemed, we rely often on our own strength to get ourselves out of bed, to deal with that missionary task. And I'm ashamed to admit that plenty of times I've jumped into a, a situation to share the gospel and not considered the fact that I need to be asking God to bring me forward, to be at my back and to be at my front as I go into this situation. I want to say today that God's mission is his mission. That we work for him. Oh, it was supposed to be, I think I put on the wrong PowerPoint. It doesn't matter. Um, the three things. We have victory in Christ. And I want to say that's more important than anything else that we've learned today. If you want to remember one thing for today, it's remember that Christ is victorious and you are redeemed if you want it. If you ask, you will receive. Secondly, I want to encourage us to consider that joy and what it means for us, whether we want to express it or keep it to ourselves. And thirdly, I want to remind us that we can have his strength with us whenever we need it. Let me uh, close in prayer.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who has poured out his love on us, that you are a God that has given us his grace, that we stand now uh, not as slaves, not as prisoners to our sin, but as free men and women who can glorify you in all that we do. Lord, we just pray that you will wake us up, that you will strengthen our spirits, that you will encourage us and remind us that you are with us always in all that we do, and that we will glorify you until the day that you return. In Jesus' name, amen. Are we doing Q&A? Yeah? No, I don't know. what else. Yeah. Questions? Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> so we've got one question done. That's good. I won't be offended if there isn't. Okay. What was the spec of your first computer, Tim? What was that? What was the spec of your first computer? I don't even remember. Yeah, it definitely wasn't an Apple. Um, this is back in the old days when you played Counter-Strike, so it wasn't very powerful. It was pretty, yeah. pretty soft. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Uh, what are you playing now that you can't stop playing? Well, we just bought the new Black Ops. We, we love... Actually, that's, Naomi will play that with me. We play zombies together, so... Yeah. You play zombies together? Yeah. We've got lots of questions after that, but that, that's okay. <laughs> uh, do any, does anyone have any questions related to, uh, to what... Uh, <laughs> See, it's all Q&A. You can actually ask anything you want. But uh, are there questions for, uh, for Tim based on, on what he was sharing with us? No, mate, I think you've done a good service. I think you've, uh, I think you've been really clear in um, how you brought the word tonight. Um, so thank you. It's um, great to have you do that. I heard, uh, I heard that uh, Christ is victorious, uh, that we have responsibility to share that and that we have his strength at our disposal. Uh, my Monday application was, I can get out of bed if I ask God's help. So that's, that's good. Not generally that that's my struggle, but uh, I hear other people struggle with such things. Um, thanks so much, mate, for, uh, for bringing that, that word to us tonight. Well, I'd love you to take out, if you can, your Caring Connect cards. Um, they look like this. As you're doing that, uh, if you're new with us tonight, you might want to chat to someone who's got this green badge on that you can see up on the screen there. I don't know where mine is tonight. Um, you might like to say on your Caring Connect card, uh, I'd like to join a life group. That's a great way to get included in the church here. You might like to sign up for our community news or say that you would like to come to a new and newish afternoon tea where you can get to know some people at church. If you're new, uh, tick the little box that says you're new. If you're a regular, many of you are, why don't you put your name on the card and say, I'm here. That'd be great. You might like to give Tim some feedback on his, uh, on his sermon uh, so you can write that down there. Alternatively, you might like to share with us a prayer point. Uh, our staff team meets together and we pray through every one of the cards. We would love to support you in prayer. So I'll give you time now to fill these cards in uh, before we sing our final song.